hey, just at the top here, before we get into this, I want to let everyone know that this Friday, uh, August 30th, I will be playing a live set on 90.7 FM KSER. That's a station up in Everett, Washington. I'm very excited to do that. The show starts at 10.30 p.m. and goes to 12.30 a.m. So yeah, I will be playing a 10 to 30 minute set there. I need to build it still, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, please tune in to 90.7 KSER Everett. Today's episode is brought to you by Mood from Chase Bliss Audio. Mood is a two-channel granular microlooper slash delay. Designed to be playful and immediate, it is a study of interaction. Mood is internally collaborative, allowing audio to freely pass back and forth between its two sides, evolving and transforming over time. The loop channel is a collection of always listening micro loopers, and then the wet channel is a suite of live spatial effects. There are three different options for how the channels are internally routed. So you can run a, a time stretched loop through a cloud of delay tabs, re record it, and carry on. Overdub, freeze, dissolve, smear. The device's heart is the clock control, which allows you to accelerate both sides simultaneously and harmonize steps. So that's what you hear going on behind my talking right now. I plugged my guitar into it, I struck a chord, and I started messing with this micro loop that I made. And um, yeah, everything you hear is just from one little chord and just exploring the different parameters. So let's, let's take a listen for a minute. What really excites me about mood is the expression slash CV in and the MIDI in, which are two different uh, quarter inch jacks and the array of dip switches that allows you to assign CV control to any one of the parameters available on the pedal and any combination of those parameters. So it's very, very, very modular synth user friendly. I plan on diving into this thing deeper because it is a very, very deep pedal, but this is just my cursory messing about with it. So uh, yeah, enjoy this, the rest of this weird thing that I made with one little guitar chord. Sorry for the late episode. It will never happen again. That is an empty promise. Today we have Bradley Millington, who's been on the show before from Modular Seattle. And then we have Chris Barth and Philip Kobernick. Now these three fellas put together a quad show uh, with uh, a festival here called Lucio. Um, It's like a light festival, a lot of light artists and everything. And... My wife Hannah and I went and watched these modular performances in quad with three screens projected all around us and sat in the middle and it was a breathtaking experience and they did it off of generators and there was 
there had to have been a couple hundred people packed up around there. Um, so they, they really killed it. And I was very, very impressed, and I really wanted to get them on the show to talk about how they got it set up and how to... Uh, how exactly do you pull off a quad performance? What's the difference between a regular performance and quad? I figured that'd be something that you pod mod pods would like to hear about. Um, one technical note on this. We recorded at one of my favorite little brew pubs here in uh, the South Park neighborhood of Seattle. I like to, if, if I'm going to get together with some people, I like to try to bring them down and, and show, them, show them my neighborhood. And it, it didn't really occur to me until I got there just how loud uh, that neighborhood is. We're right in the line of the, the SeaTac airport, so by the time the planes pass over us, they're probably just a couple hundred feet off the ground, and there's a busy street right in front of us, but hopefully that adds to the ambiance. Um, I'm going to be more selective about where and how I record these, uh, these outings in the future if I choose to meet people around town or something, so thank you for your patience with that. The song you're listening to right now is by Lisa Belladonna, and I asked her a while ago if I could use this for intro music uh, periodically, and I'm just really feeling it lately. So, uh, yeah, go. It's, it's an unreleased track, but go check out Lisa Belladonna's Bandcamp page because she has some amazing stuff. Thanks again, Lisa. Um, I also want to talk to you guys about Need Him Woodworks. You should go to his Instagram and look at this monster cabinet that he just built. It's something like, I think it's two sections of like 20-something U. Yeah, you heard me right. 20-something U and like over, over 120 HP each. And then two cabinets in the bottom. It's like a full cabinet. It's probably six feet tall or taller. And it's got like cabinets for amplifiers and it's just a testament to the quality of work and what you could add you know what you could have them do for you so if you're looking for some crazy stuff that is a great uh great barometer for how far he will push his expertise but you don't need to go that crazy you know you can get uh you know just a, a regular size 12 u 120 plus hp uh go to needhamwoodworks.com to learn more. I'm really looking forward to getting mine. I also want to throw a little plug in for Patchworks, our local uh, synth shop here in Seattle. Go. Uh, I, I've been I've been noticing some pod mod bots coming in from out of state, and they always swing in there and and hang out. So that makes me feel good. If you buy something from Patchworks and you heard about them because of pod mod, please let me know. We're gonna get into this chat really, really soon. But uh, I just want to let you know, as of right now of recording this, it's, it's Monday night of my final week at the day job for, I don't know, for as long as I can pull it off. I'm going on at least a five-week sabbatical, um, and I'm very excited about that. I'm going to use that time to increase the quality and content of the podcast with videos and um, just more more interviews with people on the other side of the ocean because I'll be able to record earlier in the day. So yeah, um, if you want to help me make this sabbatical more long-term, you can go to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast to, uh, to help keep that dream alive. I really appreciate everybody who's been uh, supporting me throughout this journey. It's been so cool. It's a really good way to interact with people. Um, 
So yeah, please go check that out. I would greatly appreciate it. If everybody who listened to this show just on Monday, just on Monday, the day it's released usually, um, that would that would take care of it. I could just be on permanent sabbatical. So $1 a month. If everybody just did $1 a month, I wouldn't have to be an electrician anymore. That'd be so cool. I'm digitally panhandling right now, and I don't feel great about it. But I do feel great about the interactions that I've had with my Patreon subscribers, so it's been really cool. Um, I also have PodMod blank panels for sale. They're uh, currently on uh, the Podular Modcast Bandcamp page. Um, 14 HP, black and white, with a PodMod logo on it. So I'd appreciate if you check those out. Um, I think that's about it for this intro. Let's talk with the brilliant wizards who pulled off Modular Seattle, Lucio Quad. I, that's that's what I'm going to call it. The Lucio Modular Seattle Quad Performance. All right, this is going to be noisy because we are in the south end in my neighborhood of South Park, and I really appreciate you guys coming down here. Yeah. I've been trying to get people to come down here because I want to show them our, you know, our one block of cool things that are going on. Um, so yeah, we're at Seattle Light, which is a little brew pub, um, and I'm sitting with Chris, Philip, and Bradley. Um, let's do a little round, introduce yourself, and uh, tell, tell me what your role in the Lucio Lights quad performance was. Cool. Um, so my name is Chris Barth. Uh, I'm like half of the Video Jockey Collective Allotrope IJK. Um, I do a lot of programming with augmented reality, like virtual reality uh, technologies. And so, um, like I was actually the person piecing together the visual component of the Lucio performance for modular, nice modular on the spot. Okay. My name's Philip Kobernick. I am a Seattle uh, area musician and technologist and uh, in the last few years I've been getting into interactive installations and uh, realizing that if I combine my technology with my love for music and sound and interactivity and uh, there can be some interesting and rewarding projects in that space. Uh, I did a project, I did an installation for Lucio last year that was really really satisfying. It was actually my first ever installation okay so that was a cool uh, a cool landmark for me and, and I was really happy to build the quadraphonic mixer uh, which came from a conversation with Bradley yeah a, a what if kind of conversation it was it, the was, listeners will it know was a Bradley. Thought, it was a thought experiment um, that turned into a real experiment so um, I'm Bradley Millington and um, I'm one half of modular Seattle uh, Modular Seattle is um, a production and education-oriented effort. Um, uh, Josh Lim and I put together uh, shows, uh, typically monthly, sometimes in the summer, twice monthly. We do Modular on the Spot. We do Modular Nights at Substation. Um, we've been doing that for a few years. And uh, so, yeah, Lucio was an opportunity to get, do a Modular on the Spot, like in the context of a larger event and it sounded really great um, but before that um, the quad the idea of doing this quad panning performance was sort of born totally independently of 
uh, Modular Seattle. Uh, I think Philip and I both went to the same performance at the University of Washington. It was a, a DX Arts, digital arts program performance, okay. uh, where the students, you know, performed uh, various things. I think in this particular show, uh, they were taking recorded material that was stereo, and they were running it through um, uh, a whole array, a of, whole array speakers. of speakers. So you had you had left-right speakers, some that were very distant, like really far, some that were really close to the stage, some that were up in the on the roof, Whoa. you know, in the in okay. the ceiling. Um, so they had sort of widespread speakers and very narrow, kind of narrow field uh, speakers. And then there was a performer who was performing the audio, uh, stereo audio, mind you, but performing the different speakers. So like bringing up and down the levels of these different left-right speaker pairs. Mm -hmm. And it had this effect of sounding like a fully immersive you know, surrounding you kind of performance, but it was all coming from like a piece of stereo audio, which was, to me, fascinating that it sounded as big and, yeah. and immersive as it as it was with just speakers. That's what that was. So that was one aspect that I wanted to really get into, and I think the listeners will be really interested in hearing is how exactly quad works in a modular performance setting. Yeah. Before we do that, well, one, this is your third, Bradley. This is your third appearance on Podmod. Is it second at least? Third. You were on the. I may have posted once. You, yeah, yeah, you helped. Yeah, you helped out with that. Yeah. Um, I'll probably set up the whole thing before, maybe in the intro. But I'm bad at doing that. I always say that I'll do that, and then I don't have time to do that. Um, but I wanted to talk to you guys because my wife and I went up to Lucio License, and, and we knew it would be cool. But this was hands down the coolest modular performance that I had seen in Seattle or heard and it was, yeah, it was, it was, you guys pulled off some really, really, really cool stuff. Before we do that, who is most um, comfortable explaining what Lucio is? I wanted, I wanted uh, Molly to be here, but she's actually out of, she's out of country right now. Um, yeah, she's at Mutech, isn't she? Yeah, I think she yeah, she's in Montreal. She's just at another live festival, pretty much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can try and give it a whirl. Any one of us probably I'll apologize to Molly in advance with what I do or don't say correctly. Um, but Lucio has been kind of a long-running thing. Uh, it originally, I think, was born out of the Mokito uh, gallery that she was running. Yeah, she we've had... talked about Mokito a few times. That's actually where I met Bradley today, yeah. doing modular oh, yeah. modular nights. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I think it was the first modular nights mm -hmm. as I, I performed there, and that's when we met. That's yeah. right. And so when I talked to Molly about kind of the origin story of where she's coming from she i know had been involved in seattle at some of the decibel festival stuff that existed in the past and she's met a lot of visual artists just over the years whether it was through kind of her connections there or other things in seattle um, but i mean she's at mutech right now she's probably met people kind of beyond the seattle area as well and i know that lucio is kind of this light art installation based uh just kind of her doing her making her attempt at enabling light artists to have a place for performance. I think over the last couple of years, it's kind of come to be, you know, hosted at Volunteer Park. She does a lot of wonderful stuff at the um, Botanical Gardens, like conservatory there that is also in Volunteer Park. And this has to be like the third or fourth year, Lucio, I think. I, I'll apologize if I got that wrong. But, I was um, blown away with how many people were up in that, in that park. Yeah, I think it's number four, but I might be wrong about that. But I think it's number four. 
Yeah, and you have to have a lot of respect for Molly because she pieces together a lot of people, she generates a lot of excitement, she gets a lot of artists pretty much out of pocket or through the grants she can piece together to be able to perform with those generators in the park. Because I think, you know, we were one of the exhibits, but they were probably 20, 40, 40, I think. 40 30, 40. 40. Yeah. yeah, like other artists as well, doing different light installations. Yeah. I know that that was one of her main goals because she had talked about how light art and kind of, you know, the video jockey or visual scene was always a secondary addition to maybe the music performers that would come through. And she had seen kind of some mismanagement or kind of lack of respect for some of the people she deeply cared about that were filling those roles and wanted to kind of piece together a community that could facilitate their needs and kind of enable uh, those kind of experiences. Okay. Hopefully that's a good... That's a good description. And yeah, I think it, you touched on a good point, which is that, uh, yeah, I think Molly's really taking what she believes is sort of like secondary or underrepresented and like bringing it to the forefront, yeah. which is the... The, the light artist aspect or the visualist aspect to any given performance sometimes comes secondary to audio in most contexts. In this context, like it's it's front and center, and the you know we were one we were only one of two audio installations at Lucio. Um, there was there was a main stage uh, with Monster Planet, and I think they had some other uh, entertainment after that. Um, and then we were on the back side of the Asian Art Museum, kind of pretty pretty far cry away from that stage. But there were only those two sound installations and everything else was, was light oriented. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was planning on checking the whole thing out and I just kind of got sucked into what you guys were doing and, and I had a good spot on a blanket in the middle and you know we got once the performance started and the lights went down, the, you know, the sun went down, kind of started looking around and there was a fuck ton of people there. <laughs> One thing you say for Molly, she gets people out. Yeah. Like, you know, and there were yeah, and there were Lucio's. thousands of people in that park. Yeah, and only yeah. one bathroom. It was, it was kind of. Yeah, <laughs> and I gotta say, like our thing was like, you know, it was drawing moss to the flame in oh, some for ways. Oh, sure, like, absolutely. That, we we set it up in a way that you know, you could hear it before you could see it, and I think people would kind of gravitate to what they were hearing, and then when they saw it, they, they stuck around. And so, like, it was kind of neat to see the crowd like grow from a few people in the center of the quadray to like by the end of the night, people standing outside of the quadrate, yeah. just yeah. like standing room only, enjoying yeah. it. I feel bad, I hit, uh, I, I don't usually partake, but I hit, uh, we'll call him Wash Jim, yeah. not, not Josh Lim. Definitely wasn't Josh Lim's vape pen and got a little uh, yeah. got a little too stoned and I ended up walking through the projector a few times and my, my shadow went through the light and felt like such an asshole. That's all good. Yeah, I did. I did that, I did that stone yeah. sober. I, I was really mad about it the entire time. But, um, <laughs> what I will say about yeah. the people, it was really cool because we had we had done a test run there the week before, whether or not we were supposed to. We wanted to make sure things would work, and we had kind of these high schoolers walk up and just disbelief of what was going on, a lot of confusion, just kind of seemed stoned out of their mind on a weekend, like passerbys, no idea that the Lucio was the next weekend, they're like, what in the world is this? Yeah. And after seeing their reactions, it just got me more excited, but I couldn't have imagined the amount of people that actually ended up showing up. Yeah. What I loved was, you know, this volunteer park edges the neighborhood, and there were a lot of, you know, neighbors, you know, people that you probably aren't going to see at your typical electronic music show, you know, they're kind of walking around the park, and so there were some, you know, kind of retirees and older couples and stuff walking around and, and they stopped dead in their tracks. And I had people come up to me during the show saying, you know, what is this? What is um, how, how can I see the next one? Uh -huh. How can I come out? And I, you know, I, I almost 
we, we, we were very intentional about curating, and this was at Molly's request, curating uh, ambient, melodic, beautiful, you know, kind of serene music because uh, we wanted it to go with the vibe of the Lucio Festival. Right, right. Normally, Modular Nights is like a, a variety show. It's like an uncurated free-for-all, and sometimes we'll get like five noise artists right in a row. Yeah, yeah. Um, that didn't happen in this. Yeah. I think that's why it was like a little more accessible to the neighborhood. Because, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I felt a little bad the people asking how they could see the next one. I'm like, well, the next one might actually be a bunch of noise artists. <laughs> might not be the same. So let's let's talk about what you guys actually did, because um, I, I like I said, I think a lot of people will be interested in how the whole quad thing works. It's not as simple as you know getting like two different PA systems and like you know a stereo a stereo out into one. And one thing that I was interested in is the the performing artists didn't have control over the quad panning. So who did, and how did you decide to do that? And I don't know. Let's let's just from the beginning. Let's just talk about how how it was set up, what your guys' roles were in, um, you know, and, and how you felt it came off. And all yeah. Can I can I start and then hand off to Philip to? Yeah. Philip should do the most talking because Phillip, he did yeah. the actual quad stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna finish the story I, I was starting about the UW and then hand off to Philip. So the, this UW performance we were both at, we both really enjoyed it. It was like this cool stereo, you know, somebody performing stereo and making it immersive with speakers, and I thought that was neat. And then I think that night I messaged Philip and I was like, that was such a great show, like. And then I had this idea for um, what it might be like to do kind of a panning system with uh, where somebody else was performing quad on top of another performer. Like that was the that was the genesis. The idea was sort of born from watching this UW performance where someone else was performing the panning on a pre-recorded piece of stereo audio. And here it was like, well, we could do similar quad performance on top of. You oh, know, so a live some, oh, performer. I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. I, well, I really like that approach. Yeah. That, that so that was just an idea. That was the idea, and I wrote down some ideas, like just riffing a little bit, and then from there, Philip kind of fully realized the idea, and I'll let Philip talk about it. Hmm. It's it's fun to think back about the UW show. I hadn't thought about it in a while. Like I actually, it had sort of dim like vanished from my memory. I imagine that we had a what if conversation with no like initial seed event. Right. But uh, thinking about that UW show is interesting because it's it's pre-recorded stereo channels and the performers had listened to that music and they had made notes. They had actually made a score and it was simply like some lines, ascending lines uh -huh. and flat lines and maybe some dots and things like that uh, was their score for adjusting faders for those tunes. But uh, yeah, I, I think a lot, a lot of... Uh, this production came from what if questions uh -huh, that uh -huh. make me it makes me very excited to think about this next uh, next event uh, October 3rd because we have now this opportunity to kind of think about think about the event and, and think about the results of those what if questions and where we go from here but back to your original question about the quad system the, the first idea was well what does it sound like to, to spatialize different sound sources? And Bradley came over uh, one day and we, we did basically a two hour kind of MVP of 
uh, setting up an iPad and basically having uh, having some control over. Oh, oh thanks. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Dan at Seattle Light just delivered us some. Uh, looks like maybe some chicken tenders and some fries. They smell. Delicious fried food. They smell amazing. Uh, <laughs> open season on these chicken tenders, y'all. <laughs> open season uh, and the fries as well. But we yeah we basically put together a a really uh, a basic kind of proof of concept. What is it? What is it like to have a couple of channels spatialized independently? Uh, and we did that. We put it together in Max MSP, mm -hmm. and Max has this great iPad app called Mira that allows you to really quickly build an, an iPad interface. And so we use Mira and Max to really quickly put together a basic quad panning system. And uh, from there, there was a, a good amount of development just in my in my lab office <laughs> space, uh, try, kind of tweaking different panning algorithms and trying out different panning algorithms to uh, to get the quad quad thing feeling right, and then working on the interface to be able to create. Um, I've been thinking of them as scenes that allow me to control from a high level all four channels at once. Mm. So that was that was beneficial for the for the event. Uh, an example being, if uh, you you probably remember some moments where sounds were rotating, were orbiting around you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if I was doing that manually, um, I would need to have essentially four fingers on the iPad and have be kind of orbiting manually, uh -huh. just possible. But uh, I accomplished that kind of effect by creating this orbit scene that would allow me to control high-level parameters like how far from the center the sound sources were, uh -huh. and then the speed of the orbit, which could be synced to the clock of the performer's modular rig. Uh -huh. So scenes like that allowed me to have high-level control over the panning information. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because. I think the original idea focused a little bit more on automated panning, using the clock information, and having multiple points in space that the audio might like move between yeah. across these, like let's say you put four points in space and you say, okay, um, I'm going to take a clock and then on some clock division I'm going to rotate between those four points. Um, I had originally imagined like multiple channels of audio, each with like like a different set of points dictating the path for that audio, mm -hmm. and then and then the movement of that path being some multiple or division of a clock. Okay. And okay. what happened was, I think Philip had this, uh, I, I think a great vision of like, well, like let's make this more performance oriented. Like he really wanted to get in there and like, and like, you know, hands on, be a performer in the scene. And so, you know, just plotting points in space and then letting the system run itself was a little bit like, you know, like a uh, might not match up to the sound or like a self-playing patch or whatever uh, it's yeah, like yeah, you know yeah. it'd be the same as the modular performer coming in and turning the power on and walking away right right, right. so this this was different i think philip yeah. really wanted to perform so we ended up taking the best of both worlds where we still took the clock information and we had that we had that trigger information coming from each performer and we could make multiple divisions of the clock 
for those movements, but Philip could, you know, manually, like you said, put four fingers on an iPad and move them around mm-hmm. and uh, and perform it live at the same at the same time. Okay. So that's that's interesting because I was I was wondering how that was working. This is one thing that, you know, I was sitting with uh, I was sitting with with Josh and Taylor and my wife and. Uh, Milo and my provider were there. We were, and there were moments where the way the stuff moved around, we'd all kind of like look at each other wide-eyed. And especially Josh. Like watching Josh enjoy music is the best thing <laughs> in the world. He just flips the fuck out. But right. um, so you were doing a lot of that control. And so how? I guess you didn't. You didn't. Uh, rehearse with any of the performers so this was kind of a, you, were, you were just taking cues from what the performers were doing and making your own creative decisions on how to spread that sound out yeah yeah okay. I was I was inspired by the um, from that UW show the way that the mixer was performing faders uh-huh. I have really haven't seen mix engineers perform uh, faders before and I know, like, maybe, like, the dub scene, that's a real thing, performing uh-huh. uh, using the mixer, but uh, that was that was really new to me, and the kind of main difference with this production from the UW show is that uh, I hadn't heard the sets, I didn't know what they were going to play, so there's a real, there's real kind of tension between uh, having a system that is powerful enough to let me do effects such as this orbit sort of effect. You control multiple channels at once, and yet still has the interface to allow me to be expressive with control. Yeah. So for me, as a as a instrument maker, as a uh, interactive designer, that was a really interesting part of, of the project. Uh-huh. And and also as a musician, knowing that my my ears uh, were going to be like I was going to need to always be on in order to mix in the way that, that I, I wanted to or to fulfill that kind of personal vision, uh, it made that interface design challenging. Yeah. And uh, I made a few scenes, uh, such as the, the Orbit, and the, the other one that I invested time into was a, was a sliding, a scene that I called sliders that essentially, um, move sound sources in the um, left right uh-huh. uh, <laughs> continuum uh, but did so with with some like interesting movement I put a lot of work into that and ultimately it didn't it didn't like it didn't work oh really <laughs> it didn't do it didn't do the thing um, that I needed it to do live uh-huh. so I, I ended up relying more on manual panning then I ended up and I used like automated um, scenes. So the orbit was was a huge. Uh, I think it was a, a win for the event because it's so it's so immersive um, hearing things rotate around you. But beyond orbit, I was doing a lot of manual and a mix between like orbit on some channels and then manually moving other channels, things like that. Okay. And to add to that point, like we. There were a lot of times, like this whole thing was, a, as Philip said, a bunch of what-if questions. And we, we kept, we were conceptualizing what we, what we, how we wanted the system to behave. 
but then a lot of times when we put that into practice and then we tested it and we dry ran it with some audio, we'd realize like, well, we, we might think we have this grand idea and it's, it's all gonna work out, it's gonna be amazing. And then we'd like <laughs> plug it in, it's like, it'd be so underwhelming, like, oh, well, uh, I can't really perceive that. Or it, it was, we there was this, this kind of eureka moments at some point uh, where we were like man less is more you know if you you can pi if yeah. you pile on more channels or yeah. more things moving around you there's a some point your brain can't perceive those it's movements it's kind of like anymore. having too many mixers in your rack yeah like you can just get too many voices going yeah you just can we you, you know things are bouncing around but you can't mentally follow a voice yeah and 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 you know place it in space right well i will say that maybe that worked out for the better because you didn't overdo any of that stuff like especially the orbit thing it came at just the right moments and it was almost at a point where it was kind of like oh yeah that's part of this experience you know it, like the the quad aspect of it wasn't 100 percent present through every performance it was there in every performance but it wasn't there for every second of every performance and Sweet. i think that made it so much more impactful when it came. <laughs> Sam, you're making my day right now. You're making my day. It's great to hear. Well, it sounded. I mean, for your for your first time, and with after doing like a you know the what if question like you're talking about, and like um, you guys you guys fucking did it. Like I, I Hannah and I were talking. We about were as surprised as you were. So, Honestly, yeah. when we did a dry run of this, we were like, "Yep, it works. It it works." And we <laughs> it was the first time we heard it all collectively together. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was delightful to have all this concept stuff actually like fully yeah fully realized. The other thing <laughs> with calling out too is even in our dry run, me and Philip were sending signals between the audio and visual, and that did not work. Like we right. had a terrible failure the week before <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> on being able to take the spatial information that Philip was generating and piping that into the visuals. So yeah, it was actually very nerve wracking. Well, we should really talk about that part. Like yeah, the, the whole integration. I want to get into that for sure. Um, you know, they say like with a band, like if your rehearsal right before your show sucks, you're gonna have a great show. If you kill it at your rehearsal right before the show, you're gonna totally flog on stage. So I yeah. <laughs> you gotta make yeah. a few fuck ups in the rehearsal. So yeah, I want to talk about how the video came into play. So um, and you work with Nick, right? Yeah. So yeah. Nick Bigelow. Uh, if you're in Seattle, you've probably met him at Patchworks at some yeah, point. He's explained uh, about. He's explained uh, how the module you want to buy works for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he'll, he'll show you how to use it. Yeah. Um, but so I mean. I've been working on a lot of the visual tech. Like, all of that is kind of its own custom tech stack. It's it's not something you can go buy off the shelf. It's been kind of a niche hobby for... Oh, man, she was rocking out. Sorry, we got to pause. She's loving that life. That lady in a new bug was just, like, <laughs> windows down, melting it. it out. Yeah, yeah I, I couldn't have picked a louder spot. I hope this, <laughs> yeah, I hope this recording works out. Yeah. We're, like, right next to the Boeing airfield. Yeah. yeah. It's the south end, man. It's, it's a noisy place. But, yeah, so... I've been working on a lot of this stuff for a really long time, um, and I mean, I could talk kind of about the genesis of all of this, but um, yeah. Nick and me sat down at the beginning of the year, and we were like, well, we've done a lot of stuff, or people have put a lot of effort into trying to piece together music. Uh, we think we can get more gigs if we do visuals, like maybe that could be a pivot in a new artistic expression that we find more excitement in, because we had had some different meetup groups that were kind of modular synth, visual based. It kind of, you know, like they sputtered out, like nobody wanted to continue with them. It was hard to consistently feel like you were doing new things. 
Um, but beginning of the year, we kind of sat down and was like, okay, let's try and we set goals like let's try and play uh, like video jockey set. Like let's do that in public somewhere. Let's make it a thing. And so you know, with Nick's networking and kind of web of modular folks he's, he's known, like one of the first gigs I actually was playing was at a modular nights at Substation for Bradley. Um, and it was pretty cool because I had like a bunch of stuff, like mini controllers hooked up to different graphics software that I've been working on, and just a bunch of visual effects. It's probably a library of stuff I've been working on the last five years. And so like the first modular nights was kind of this world of, oh, we, I can start doing this more frequently. And I remember I was talking to Bradley and I was like, you know, I'm doing some 3D stuff on a 2D screen, it's not that exciting, or at least we could do so much more, like there's content in all directions here, it could be a lot more immersive and stuff. And so after that I think I kind of planned this scene as my like, you know, this is just the first thing that we're going to do, everything is accruing value to the next project, everything is reusable, everything is just what's next. And so I think I put in his head maybe the idea of something about substation or multiple screens of substation and trying to figure that out. But then Lucio came up and was like, this is the place where we could really make this happen. This is a perfect um, spot. Sorry to interrupt, but just explain real quick the setup because it was multiple screens. Yeah. So how, yeah, that's probably where you're headed. But um, Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people in the community are more familiar with Max MSP or Touch Designer or some of the other you know, like visual, like GUI-based programming stuff, but we were actually running everything in Unity, which is a, a game engine. And so we already had this 3D scene set up of different content, uh, like the, the trees and stuff, uh, the birch forest is all 3D models. And so, although you can take a 2D viewpoint, which is what I've done a lot for like single screen, modular nights performances, or different DJ sets we've done in town, uh, it actually has the full capability of setting up different cameras and different displays to render to for like an immersive, Here's a bunch of viewpoints in different directions of the same content. Okay. And so, in that 3D scene for what we were doing uh, at Lucio, we had kind of a 3D scene that was understood relative to the audio spatially, and we had three cameras pointing in different directions where the actual screens were located. So when oh. you're sitting in the middle, you're actually seeing in all the directions of what the content would be. You could, you know, theor theoretically go and, or hypothetically go and build together like a dome or something of equivalent kind of camera angles and stuff like that. But like the three screens was about where my laptop would give up in terms of computation. So what, what we were seeing on the screen was actually a video feed of the area we were in? No, no, no. no. Oh, okay. It was an artificial like 3D <laughs> area that's forest kind of, conceptually it was the idea of, okay, we're going to be in, surrounded by trees, let's just distort it's the tree. It's a three-dimensional environment uh -huh. kind of built in a, in a modeling program or Unity. And, and so, you know, it is, it is a three-dimensional world that we're sort of just projecting, uh, okay. you know, yeah. onto a screen. And I think uh, the, the, the orientation of the cameras in that three-dimensional scene mapped to the orientation of the, of the screen ah, surrounding yeah, the audience. So if you're in the middle of these three screens and you look left or you look right or you look straight ahead, you're actually like seeing as if you were standing in the middle of this grove of virtual birch trees built yeah. in, in Unity. Um, so that that was kind of the idea. And you could you could take that to the nth degree and like put it in a dome or have like more screens or even a VR headset and yeah, look okay, around and okay, then you'd okay. be in that world. Um, so we were really trying to put the audience inside of a three-dimensional environment and then let the, vis the visualizations of that environment kind of also map to the movements of the I audio see. and the okay. scene. Okay. And to maybe 
talk a little too much graphics. Like, uh, I was taking information from Philip's setup of where he was he was putting audio in the scene. We were using OSC to communicate with one another. Like, he found some OSC libraries for what he was doing, and I did. I found some OSC like open source projects for Unity as well. Um, and what was cool is. I had all these 2D effects that have kind of compiled over the years, and we could take this 3D position, map it onto where it physically would show up on the 2D screen for the camera, and then distort the like visual feed in that position so that it mapped with the audio. And then we also had some functionality too with geometry shaders and vertex shaders where wherever he placed something physically, we could also have things physically move. So maybe not at the front of the screen or through the entire 2D pass of the screen, but visually something far off in the distance wherever he was he was physically putting it, we could map something to. Okay, okay. And okay, so you may have you kinda lost me a little bit only because yeah. I don't know shit about this stuff, but I know a lot of people listening will be really excited about what you <laughs> So I'm gonna maybe ask a question that you just answered, but how how were the uh, a lay, layman's terms, how were the, how were the sounds interacting with what you saw on the screen and how much of that was coming from uh, Philip and how much of that was coming from the actual performer? So I could I could speak to how things were mapped. And like first off, signal data I'm getting from Philip, he kind of had some X and Y values that equated to say the ground. Like you think of like a square on the ground, we had the X and Y positions of where that was, and that's kind of where he was placing audio with these different speakers. Whereas then, once we had this ground information, I was piping that in and we could change the physical height of where things were displayed and also kind of the effects that were being applied were dynamically triggered in a performance sense. Uh, we had the effects kind of map, you know, uh, physically, spatially to what Philip was giving us, but the effects I was triggering and turning off, and they had different things where different audio triggers that Philip was processing were also triggering changes visually. Okay. Um, but it was all kind of propelled by OSC, and like it was. It's kind of, there's some limitations with audio. It's not a three-dimensional thing per se when you have four speakers. Like if we had an infinite number of speakers, we could build out a true 3D space where things are coming from above and below and stuff. But we haven't quite pieced together the budget for that. That was the first night. And you were set up in a field with generators, which I definitely want to talk to. But I think it's it's refill time. And maybe we take a pee break and a refill break. And, um, more of these chicken, whatever this fried food was. Yeah, we'll get more of this fried food. Round of that. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, and I'm just gonna say this. I don't know. I might cut this out, but let's look at a demo of a cool module I just got. Consummate professionalism, right there. Um, so this will be kind of a demo. Uh, I was over at my friend Stephen Jett's house. Uh, He's my buddy who did the artwork for my upcoming album. Uh, he plays grand piano. We go over there and have jam sessions. Anyways, I brought my modular setup over there, and I had the new 100 grit from Schlappy Engineering in there. And I set up uh, set up a little patch like just to mess around. And when I ended up touching the little... Uh, the little copper nodules on the top that you can use to route your signal. Uh, if I touched two of them at once, I, I picked up a weird radio station. I think it was a Christian radio station. And uh, I don't know. So I just I grabbed my computer really quick and recorded a little thing. And uh, so basically, this is just a drum beat uh, going through the 100 grit and the new Dirty Murals delay slash reverb from, uh, from recovery effects. So 
this this patch uh, definitely highlights both of those modules, and I think it's pretty cool. So I hope you enjoy it, and go check out recoveryeffects.com and schlappyengineering.com to learn more about the Dirty Murals and the 100 Grit. It's ideas that they can both take into discussion with others. Students are so ready to hear that kind of information. students are hearing together 
that help people be open to the message, be boots on the ground. The, those kinds of things are a huge game changer. Wait, and we're back. Time travel. That was like 15 minutes for us, but no time for you guys. Um, so is there anything else you want to say? I don't want to cut you short on the on the, the visual stuff. I'd like Philip to get a chance to talk about anything if he has much, but I mean, if you're not careful, I'll talk about graphics forever, and it'll just be very niche, <laughs> no one will care, so. Well, I want to talk about your guys's, let's, let's talk about the actual experience. We've talked the technical side of it. How did it go? How do you feel like it went? Beyond expectations. Very, very rewarding. That's great. Very complex tech stack and very few uh, failures in that stack. Uh, relatively <laughs> low stress. Um, I was personally, I was personally expecting that children were going to be like <laughs> basically spawning from every point imaginable and basically running amok over all of the cords and mixers. That was my headspace. So I actually found some, uh, I found some stanchions with like uh, barriers that like a couple days before the event and just bought them off Craigslist. Like we need some of these barriers to just protect our gear. Yeah. But actually the night of, yes, there were a lot of people. Yes, they did trip over some cords here and there. And walk through the projection. I wrapped screen. some LED but it was, lights around the cords. I remember doing that. It was that. so yeah. much better than I expected. And uh, just the whole night, I feel like we we were lucky and maybe even hashtag blessed uh, <laughs> in terms of what we what we pulled off technically with that many people around and in the middle of a park. Yeah, I mean, bear in mind we had like so the communication between the the audio. Uh, the panning mixer and the visuals was was happening over a wi uh, was it Wi-Fi or wired network? Wired. It was like wired? Wi-Fi to my iPad, but then from my laptop to the visuals was over a cat five. Yeah, like so a there's LAN or something. Yeah, well, yeah. so I, LAN I, party. I got a nice. I got a black, an AT&T Blackhawk uh, uh, Wi-Fi hotspot, and that was being used for the iPad to communicate back to the laptop. So Philip could stand in the middle of the quad array and use an iPad to make the sound move around. And you know, he's in the sweet spot, he can hear exactly what he's doing, but all that communication of the movements of that panning from the iPad are, are being sent over a Wi-Fi network okay. to a laptop. Okay. The laptop is actually, you know, doing the, the, the quad panning and then the and then the the OSC information going to you is happening over a hardware network. Uh, between you know his laptop to and visuals. another laptop through visuals okay. to transmit like XY coordinate information, okay. you know, in and also trigger information. Yeah, like and, then we, and then we had eight channels of audio <laughs> coming from the, the the artist who's performing. Uh, up to eight channels of audio, they can send us um, you know seven channels of mono audio and a clock, or they could do you know three channels of stereo audio and a clock. Um, we had different combinations, and in order to sort that out, we gave the artists like a, uh, a a form to fill out where they would tell us each channel, and uh, whether it was mono, stereo, what information okay. it was sending, okay. and that helped Philip. Uh, Thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, um, so there was a <laughs> pretty sophisticated tech tech stack behind all this. Um, okay. I think the, okay. the, the, the point. 
Back to your question about how we felt about how it went the night of. Mm -hmm. The emails that, that were sent after the event were all pretty ecstatic on our side. Right? There was right. a there was an there was a buzz about. I mean, like Brad, Bradley and Josh have done an excellent job of bringing people out for like like one thing I noticed in, in Seattle is it's known as a music town, lots of bands, live shows, not a lot of people at it, even for what you know, popular bands. You, know, you may have like four thousand likes on Facebook, but you go to your Saturday night show and there's fucking fifteen people, people there, you know? So what I've really admired about what, what Bradley and Josh have done, with the help of uh, Patrick's, I think, um, is they've created, they've really helped create this and foster this scene where a lot of people come out. So I knew there was going to be people. This was like the next level. This, there was a, how many people do you think, at the most amount of people that were standing around there, how many do you think there were? So like 150 to 200. At least 150. Yeah, I, I looked up at one point. I think point, it was more. Yeah. It was dark, so I couldn't tell, but I looked up at one point, so I'm in a blanket, you know, in inside the street. I think there were 200 area. people there. Yeah. yeah. Thousand. 200,000 <laughs> people. 200,000 people. <laughs> it was no, a lot. It, it was, felt like a lot. And I think that's, I mean, yeah, there were a lot of people up there. Um, and of course, you're going to get foot traffic coming in and out. But foot traffic coming in and out isn't an audience. This seemed like foot traffic coming in and, and hanging staying. out. Yeah. Staying. And that's that. I, I got really excited about that. Yeah, I really like. We got to give a shout out to Molly on that because I I, yeah. I can't I wouldn't say that the majority of the people that were even staying and listening were the conventional module or listeners. Oh, I think they were right. curious. I don't. I yeah. think maybe a lot. Most of them were kind of like, what the. It fuck was like is Lucio people, right neighborhood people, yeah. like you said, teenagers. You know, it was it was a good mix, and I I agree. Molly deserves a shout out for that. She brought the people out to Lucio. And we benefited from the fact that there were that many people in the park yeah. to, you know, to hear and witness. Kind of a what weird we little corner of the park. That's another thing I noticed as I was kind of walking up to mm -hmm. go to the bathroom. It was definitely its own little thing, and I'm sure there were a bunch of people who were up there that night who never even knew it was happening. Ah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> popcorn, man. Sweet. Um, just got I got derailed on my excitement with the, the, the crowd there, but and. I just, I don't know. That's why I was really excited to get a hold of you guys and want to talk about this because there was, speaking from somebody who wasn't involved in throwing it, like I said, there was a buzz. A lot of people told me, either the night of or in, in the next couple of days after, that it was the best thing that they'd ever seen us do, which Hands down. was, was a huge compliment. To say, okay, I started doing this stuff in the middle of 2016. Uh -huh. You know, it's like you two also and a half have years the, later. the cream of the crop for performers. We haven't even really talked about the performers. That's true. We did. We did go out of our way to curate the music, but I mean, everybody in yeah. Seattle like does their does their thing, and I think everybody has their own special thing that they offer to the scene. But they're 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 definitely some all stars, as far as as far as my all star list goes. If I'm going to pick out Seattle performers, you had a number of them. They were there. They were there. Um, Except for me, you didn't ask me to do it. <laughs> yeah, I will say to you, like, that was a really good moment for me personally because we've been doing a lot of video jockey sets with Alatrop, IJK, but it's been a lot of super late night DJ sets. And most of my friends are not night owls anymore. They're kind of these reclusive, disappear, 10 p.m., can't convince them to go to anything that is any distance away from their home. <laughs> um, 
so that was really cool because it was kind of this very friendly, very inviting world where they came and saw what we were capable of doing and the production value that we were putting into some of these things that have always been more in the niche, like less approachable, less applicable to what people are looking to do. And it's just this beautiful moment of it all coming together and just a lot of mystified faces of people I knew super well. They were just like, this is where you've been. This is where you've been rehearsing. Feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's so cool. Now, you had some technical difficulties and I don't think you guys are avoiding it out of shame. I think you're just, it's the actual positivity of it is kind of overshadowing it but like there was really only one technical difficulty and it was just and that fucking was the diesel ga- right the gas and the generator <laughs> yeah i mean we ran so that's another challenging thing about this is we ran the whole thing out of park so all the you know all the electricity is running off generators we had two generators and at one point in the middle of the night like one of the generators failed mid-set mid-set oh god and we scrambled <laughs> we scrambled and 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 rerouted everything to one single generator. Is that John's, John L. Rice's set? Uh, I don't know. I think it happened after John's set. Okay. It was it was one after that. Um, I'm trying to remember what it, it was. Probably during Planner Drift. I think that's when it happened. Anyway, so we scrambled and rerouted everything and got back up and running, and we managed to get like one and a half more sets out of that out of the night. Oh, that's good. And then the gas completely died, and. Uh, um, sadly, our la- our final performer didn't wasn't able to perform, um, oh. but we will we'll make that happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I mean, the only amazingly, like nothing in our tech stack failed. Everything about the show that's worked. that's great. And that's... If the gas had maintained in the generator, it would have gone you know all the way to the end. I will call out. I did have some projectors go out periodically throughout like the entire time we were performing. Really? Yeah. I am so grateful Nick was there, and I am grateful that I do not do this stuff alone because trying to like wrangle actually doing visuals at the same time you're turning projectors back on that are physically super far away from your table, that's a nightmare. Like, that's mm. bummed we couldn't get Nick out. I got to get Nick on the show just because just the, the the passion and cadence at which he talks about stuff is is yeah. just inherently uh, enthralling. But yeah, that's that's good that he he totally deferred to you. He's like, no, I'm not. I, I was just there to plug stuff in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good to have a little assistant on stuff like that. So, thank you, Nick. Um, well, was, I mean, he also provided a lot of feedback on collaboration, at least from from my visual standpoint. It was really nice because he came to the test run the week before, and he's he, he has like a lot of good input. Uh, and me and him have worked pretty closely for a while now, so I usually appreciate hearing what he's saying compared to just like brushing off what right. he was saying. So I was happy he was there. And I definitely give him credit for helping that night run smoothly because without him, they would have had some much, much more troubled moments. Something I hadn't thought of until like we were just talking about the generators, but like for your first venture out, to do it with generator power is kind of a bold move. So hats off to you guys there. Well, this was a modular on the spot. I mean, really. I guess, yeah, you're used to doing that. Yeah, it was just the regular modular on the spot, but we just decided to do it at Lucio. You know, which expanded our audience and and put us in the middle of a of a, of a larger context, which is the light art festival. But really, I just thought of it as like one of the three modular on the spots that we did this year. Yeah. Which okay. we did, you know, Cal Anderson Park in June. We did Gasworks in July, and then we did Lucio in August. But um, you guys have an uncanny ability of of 
scheduling these on the one weekend that my wife and I decide to go camping. <laughs> it's, it's very... Yeah, I think um, we're equally jealous of you. We see all the pictures and we're like, oh, I wish I was out there. Uh, if you build a big enough community, you can go camping for the modular on the spot. We should do a modular camp now. It's already, yeah, that's been in the works for a little while. I think Daniel Miller really wants to do, like, synth camp. On the top of Rainier. <laughs> we want to get a cabin by a lake or something. And just, that would like, be so much fun. And just, let's do it. Yeah, I would be very down. Yeah, I will say, down. like, Going into thinking about running off of generators exclusively, I was super nervous because yeah, I would be, yeah. we had played this rave um, like a month or so before, a month or two before, and we had never even thought about the amount of like amperage that our projectors would pull or any of the stats mm -hmm. on the electricity usage, wattage. You're, why, you're the reason we ran out of gas. <laughs> <laughs> 4,400 watt projectors or whatever those are. <laughs> yeah, something... <laughs> Something insane, but we had had like this moment where we had plugged in a lot of projectors in like a campsite, like rave, kind of like burner crowd territory place, and it was just like, oh, this isn't gonna work. <laughs> and we had to pare down our set a lot in that scenario to make room for the speakers that they had brought. And so I was really actually very nervous about that aspect of the performance. Got to do load calculations first, man. That's yeah. Yeah. Um. So what? So what? What is next? You guys had success. You guys did it. Had a great time. What's next? We're gonna do this again. We're gonna work it together again. Try to do more of this quad visual. Well, Philip's got the worst news. I've got the best news. <laughs> um, <laughs> the worst news. I I'm uh, really, really excited to be uh, starting a master's program in the fall. Just right around the corner. I'm moving oh. down to Santa Barbara oh, uh, at the middle of next month. So I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, but also, it's a little bit bittersweet leaving friends. Uh, most of my family is in Washington State. And uh, it's been really great to connect with the modular uh, synth community. Um, just have to do an extension down there. Exactly. Uh, but I am excited to be coming back for uh, the performance that we're gonna do at the chapel on October 3rd. Uh, very, very stoked for that, and it just so happens it's right before Velocity. You've heard me talk about Velocity a lot. Listen. So I think it only makes sense that I'll need to stay the weekend right? <laughs> yeah. for uh, Velocity. Uh, I'm very excited about that, but yeah, we, we, I was telling Chris on the way here, we have. My wife just got here. Oh. Yeah, will you join us? Mm. Mm -hmm. We have enough time to be able to make the changes that we want to make, but the show is soon enough that we can't make all the changes in the world. We have some right, constraints. Right. Wow. And um, I'm really excited to figure out like what are the highest priority changes that we want to make what are the things that we could improve and for me uh, I am I think my my core intention for the project is that we provide an environment um, for the for the modular artists to perform their their set we provide an environment that extends their performance. And Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think 
not to, I'm sorry to interrupt, but something yeah, that yeah. Uh, makes me excited about what you guys are doing, like the, the, the quad visual, the whole thing is modular music isn't for everybody, and not all modular sets are even for modular music people. <laughs> um, so I think adding just any, I mean, I'm, that sounded kind of negative, but <laughs> like fight me, you know, like I, it's true. Um, I think having like any 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 more um, kind of creative vision you can add to it to make it more of an immersive experience, I think, is just kind of follows the whole uh, idea of what makes modular music actually something that draws you in in the, in the first place. Does that make sense? I feel like yeah. I'm very poorly we were, worded. We I've were too many beers. We were but. pretty nervous about the <laughs> artist's perspective on all this stuff. I gotta say, like, I mean, we conceptualize this whole panning system, and we conceptualize having people giving us multiple channels of audio, but and, but we were also really thoughtful about what it was going to feel like for the person who's making that music, and is, is the, the, the set that they wanted to perform, is it, are we going to be true? <laughs> To them, and are we going to be able to deliver something that they're happy with uh, as a representation of their of their art? But everybody was on so, board from the beginning, and knowing that Philip was going to have some sort of creative hand. In no, there's there certainly yeah, there was expectations set from the beginning, and they're like, hey, you know, in addition to you performing your set, we're going to perform the panning. Well, on the other hand, I think there were just uh, you know concerns like. How well, you know, what's the monitoring situation like? Am I going to be able to hear what I'm doing? Right. And is it going to be moving around my head to where I can't recognize the set that I put together in the first place? So, you know, we spent a lot of time thinking about that and agonizing over that. And we had, uh, fortunately, we had um, Jason Degelman, um, Donald, uh, Donald, Donald Crunk, <laughs> uh, volunteered his time to help us dry run the whole thing and come out and give us that artist perspective. And the week before, we went out and and you know, ran through the whole system, and then he he wrote up some six-page document to send to all the performers <laughs> on um, what the integration looks like. And then we went that extra leg of like getting collecting the channel information from each artist, so we could do our best to represent their you know faithfully the, their their set as they envisioned it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that was that was I think an interesting challenge. I think we just. Sorry, I, I totally steered us wildly on course. Yeah, I just... My wife uh, Anna's here. Hey. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, you better be sorry. Hey, no. <laughs> so, no, the, the quad experience that we were going up to at Lucio Lights. Yeah. These are the guys that made it happen. Oh, well done, you guys. That was really, really yes. cool. Yes. Um, yeah. So, Chris did the visual. Philip did the, the sound swirling. Awesome. And now that I've given you that information, will you co-host for me while I go pee? Alright, now, now tell them how much you enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, it was really, really, <laughs> quite an experience. I really enjoyed it. You guys did a good job. Have you, I mean, I'm sure he's gone over this. Have you done something like that before? Uh, not at that level. Yeah. Not no. with that much preparation beforehand, not with that many tests how, runs. How long did you spend getting it uh, together? A couple months? Was it two or three months? Yeah, it was. Oh. Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, it was a lot of work. When not continuous it. work, yeah. but you know, there were definitely three months of kind of back and forth and emails and planning and periodically getting together and <clears throat> testing the system and yeah. making sure that it worked. Yeah. There's a lot of points to figure out. 
I mean, we had a bunch of gear to set up. We had a, a panning system to write. We had integration between panning and a, and the visuals to write. Uh, I think when we first tested it, we tested it with like three computer monitors in a, oh, wow. in a room, okay. yeah, like with HDMI just plugged in, and we yeah. pretended that they were like the three screens and on a big scale. So that was, was like a pretty a, fun test. I kind of wish I had more photos of that. Version. Yeah. yeah, I wish we had more video footage of that too, because we had this miniaturized <laughs> version of the thing with just three computer monitors uh -huh. and trying to see if it was going to do what we gonna thought it was going to do. Uh, but we didn't see it actually projected on the big screens until we got to the park. So, That's exciting. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. Neat. Well, I did get one day because Bradley had one of those screens beforehand, and we set it up in my backyard and kind of looked at the world of what we would be working with. Yeah. And we've projected on a lot of stuff over the years, and this was the nicest looking thing I've ever seen, the highest quality. Then we're like, oh, this is going to be wonderful. This is going <laughs> to really showcase was. something we're excited about. You guys did a great about. job. I thought that was just Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. There was a point where we were like, how are we going to project on three screens? Can we make like screens out of sheets or some other material and at some point we just decided like three matching screens mm -hmm. of identical quality mm -hmm. you know was going to make all the difference and it really did yeah uh, from our perspective it felt like you could really go in any direction lie down in any direction look in any direction and have a really neat experience and have, know that you're all kind of getting that hmm. getting that view it was really cool i think it'll be really cool too at the chapel because Everybody will be kind of seated in, in the way the seats are going to be laid out. So you, I think you'll be, a bit, be able to be a little bit more intentional on screen placement and maybe a little yeah. closer together. Yeah, touching on the chapel, I think, so first of all, the chapel has some very large services to project onto. And like oh, the, so the you're back not going to use, oh, yeah. So yeah, we can probably make it more immersive by making it larger. At least the front screen can be the back wall. And for the listener, this, the this chapel screens. space, what's, what, what is the college there that it's at? It's, it's, that's not a college, it's Good, Good Shepherd Center. Center. It's former um, Catholic school for girls, it's gone. Like oh, I thought it was a campus, so it's an old campus. It's a beautiful well, I think, space. Yeah, I think they have a preschool there. I remember I was talking might. to one of my bosses over the years, I was like, I saw the coolest performance space I've ever seen in my life. It seems like a great place to get lost, like psychedelics yeah. kind of territory. He's like, that's where my kids go to preschool. So for the listener, <laughs> for the listener, this is like a really big old building in the middle of the Wallingford neighborhood of Seattle. And the chapel is on the very top floor of that. And it is a chapel. It's a former Catholic chapel. Mm -hmm. Has stained glass windows, you know, lining it. Uh, but uh, there's a series, a music series there called the Wayward Music Series that is mostly ambient performances. Um, and it and it feels almost academic to go to a show there. You're kind totally. of like, yeah. you know, you want to sit up straight and pay attention and listen. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, it's a great place for like a quartet or a piano player or something that just... Well, it's great for, yeah, electronic. Hannah, yeah, Hannah and, it's great and I and uh, too. David Lutz, Lousy Falcon, who performed at uh, Lucy Light, we all went and saw... Um, Norm Chambers, aka Hannah Bright, sure. um, and uh, Jonas Reinhardt play there. And it's yeah, fucking amazing. So it's yeah, a fantastic it's really venue, and, and we we it's have spacious. booked that venue yeah. for the Thursday prior to Velocity, which is on a, a Velocity's October fifth. This will this repeat performance of the Lucio Quad uh, performance will be on October third at the Chapel in Wallingford, um, probably. Eight to a ten, eight to ten, somewhere around there, maybe seven to ten. We haven't finalized that, 
Um, and it's going to be a fundraiser for Velocity, so five to fifteen dollar donation at the door, and we'll we'll use all the proceeds to just help us, you know, fund Velocity and make it happen. Um, and it's a great way to have like an addendum kind of pre-party event yeah, for Velocity. Totally. And if you're coming from out of state for Velocity, maybe try to come. Yeah, early. for sure. It's a, it's an intimate venue. It's, I think it's only supports 85 people in the audience. So, um, yeah, so it's going to be a really kind of Hopefully cool, intimate way to deal away. with it. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. It's, and then actually, since you're on it, uh, the following, I think it's the following weekend, September, I think it's September 13th, there's going to be another quad modular event at, uh, at the chapel, and I'm going to perform at that one. Yeah, is that Leaps and Loops? Leaps and Loops. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. They were just on a recent episode. So. Lots of lots of fucking stuff going on here in Seattle. Man, quad is everywhere all of a sudden. Yeah, like, thank God. Cindy and Tom yeah, did a quad. It's so, so cool. Yeah, it's so yeah. cool. So yeah. cool. Cindy and Tom's set was really good. And the yeah, person that performed after them with him, I can't think of his name. The only but... reason I couldn't go is because it overlapped with the Gasworks show yeah. uh, for Modular on the Spot. So there was no way to go to be in two places at once. And I was Otherwise, probably I camping. Uh, yeah. so. <laughs> Nick did yeah. a cool LED panel set, but the, the guy that played after them also had like this giant Japanese instrument, which was a oh yeah, yeah, Cassidy. Symbion Project. Yeah, yeah. Symbion Project. That yeah. was really cool on, too. Yeah. He was on a very early episode. Yeah, episode. he's fantastic. Japanese Koto. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was amazing. Cool. Yeah, that was, was really cool. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, visuals, yeah, it was the there. visuals <laughs> that he had were yeah out there. Like very high def, pre-recorded, post-production kind of stuff. Yeah, very. It lovely. was cool. Very so lovely. we're at an hour. Is there it, before I want to I want to let Bradley um, talk about velocity a little bit before we close down. Is there anything that either of you guys want to plug or say in summation? Shout from the modular mountaintops. I guess there's events that I can plug. Uh, what's the thing? This will uh, be coming out next Monday. Next so. Monday. What's Allotrope IJK doing in the near future? And we, spell that out oh, and tell them where to find it online. Yeah, Allotrope IJK. Hopefully we'll just put it in the comments. I don't really I, want I'll, to try to spell that. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it in the show description. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know what is 100% confirmed. I'll call out some of the people that have helped us out, like from the DJ perspective. Kremfest is coming up. Some of the folks at Tremulant have been uh, really kind and generous towards us, giving it a place to perform with uh, different DJs that come into town. They're doing some stuff at Kremfest, at Kremwork, I want to say September 20th, 21st. Um, I think there's some stuff coming up at Rebar from the Shameless and Tremulant crew where we may be jumping on that bill. If not, uh, supporting Shameless is, in addition to Tremulant would be great. They booked us for this rave we played last weekend, so we owe a lot of things to some different people. Are you guys open um, to people uh, approaching you and maybe, and maybe trying to hire you for visual stuff in the future if you're an, if you're an artist? And... Yeah, I would say it's very case by case. Um, there's been a flood of interest in general because not very many video artists exist. If you want to become a video artist, it's a great time to book a lot of gigs because no one else is doing it. So keep that in mind. The turning of tides is coming. People that have been doing video for a long time don't find it as interesting anymore. So you can fill that void. I don't know. Um, but yeah, a lot of good events coming. I think I'm probably most excited about what we're going to curate again with Philip and Bradley for the chapel performance space stuff. And the next one. I think we should, we, yeah. I think without a doubt, we will do some kind of collaboration in the future. Oh, and I, if uh, we're, yeah, you, last whatever. thing. If anyone is in Tokyo and is trying to go <laughs> to, do you remember what this one is called? It's I the, think it's the Tokyo Festival Modular. Is yeah. That, is that in November? I don't know. 
I want to go. Tokyo Festival of Modular, we've been trying to lock down, getting to do visuals the first day. Not 100% confirmed, seems like maybe 80% confirmed. It, maybe that's a place to come see us before. I can bring a lot. I'd like to shout out the uh, the good people at Kinko's. Uh, they're, they're typing up my resume right now. There's really good people that work there. Uh, also, my own website uh, if you're interested in any of the technical uh, the technical world of making interfaces and instruments uh, you can head to philip.news to get all the news about philip and uh, hop on my uh, hop on my mailing list there philip with one l dot one news. l the love it's the only way the love of horses See, huh? right you know about that man. yeah uh, yeah love um, <laughs> so uh, the, the yeah that link will be in the show description sorry philip.news yes philip.news <laughs> well you know you say it and people don't remember it. I, I feel like i talked about velocity enough but i mean i've talked about velocity a lot but let's talk it just yeah. really quick off the top of your head not everybody, just not everybody who's going to be there. Okay. Manufacturers so, involved. Oh gosh. Blah, blah, blah. It's a list. So, uh, Velocity is uh, the most ambitious thing that we've tried to do as Modular Seattle. Like I said, we've, we've been doing monthly shows at the substation called Modular Nights, and we do shows in the parks in the summer, Modular on the Spot. Velocity is kind of our big, uh, our big go at a festival of sorts. We have uh, one. Uh, action-packed day on October 5th from 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. There's a bunch of little side parties and things happening around that so in spite of the fact that it's a one-day festival it's probably amping up to be more like five days worth of fun. Totally. Uh, yeah. So uh, from like Thursday to Sunday there'll be all kinds of stuff happening. Um, we are getting ready to launch our sponsors page which uh, should go live tonight or tomorrow. We have uh, some great manufacturers joining us, 16 or 17 manufacturers at the trade show and growing. Uh, we're gonna have a trade show, educational uh, sessions and performances. So uh, during the day from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. it's free and it's a trade show and educational performances and DIY workshops. Podular Modcast Live will be closing that free session, correct? Yes, Podular Modcast will be doing, yeah. we'll be doing a, a live podcast panel as part of that. And then in the evening, uh, it's wristband required from 5 p.m. on and it's 27 performances, uh, or 27 different artists uh, at, the, at the substation venue. And for a mere twenty dollars, you can get in for all that. That's so that's really cool. Good deal. So do you I, could just do I get a wristband? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's happening. And then, and then we nope. we're pretty happy about our sponsors just getting lined up. We've got um, 4MS. Right. We've got WMD. Oof. We've got Korg. Ooh. Oh, well done. And Mordak Systems. Nice. So those are our those are our sponsors as of now, and we're super happy to announce those this week. Great. Um, yeah, and and ton of manufacturers coming. It's gonna yeah. be an amazing. Aid from day. AI Synthesis will be there. Eric Schlappi will be there. Yep. Eli from Mystic Circus is gonna be staying with Hannah and I. He'll be there to hang out at least. Yeah. Our headliners are are uh, you know we have Basic, we have Banna Hafar, we our have Benny. Ann Annie, we have uh, uh, Amulets. Amulets. We have our Benny. Uh, Nathan Moody will be there. Um, a little uh, guy named Div Kid will be there. Div Kid out. is coming to uh, 
to uh, provide Jesus media coverage. Christ, you get, guys did it. Educational uh, all, performance. Yeah. Like all the people are coming. It's going to be great. I'm Bradley. incredibly excited about it. So. I'm so glad, Bradley, you did such good work. Josh, you're slacking. Yeah, where are you, Josh? I guess we technically have a tech talk too at it. If you want to learn about doing visuals, Alatrope IJK is going to be talking yeah. during the free portion because that's right. Alatrope's going to give a, a, a DIY workshop on how to create your own visuals using Max and MSP. Sweet. Using only free software, so you can just download it, bring your laptop, Shit, yeah. and uh, follow along. So many resources, <laughs> so much. It's going to be fantastic. Well, thank you guys for coming down to the South End to this loud, loud area of town, and I hope this audio works out. You and too. listener, just deal with it. It's fine. It's a good conversation. Thanks for having yeah. us, Tim. <laughs> Anything else? No. Thanks for being here with us. All right. And thank you for joining us this week. Thank you, Philip. Bradley and Chris. That was a lot of fun. Thank you uh, to Seattle Light for letting us record uh, on your front patio. They even set up in a little umbrella for us because it was raining and they brought us some some uh, fried food as you heard and uh, yeah it was a lot of fun. Go to VelocitySeattle.com to learn more about that and uh, we've got links in the show description to uh, Chris and Phillip's uh, projects and uh, yeah thank you to Patchworks, Needham Woodworks, Schlappy Engineering, Chase Bliss Audio and Recovery Effects. Until next week.